Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello, this is Simon Brew, and a very warm welcome to Film Stories. Come with me, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. In movies, movies that had stories. The story just sucks them in. This is just the beginning. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello, and a very warm welcome to Film Stories with Simon Brew. I am Simon Brew, but as always, that's all you need to know about me. The aim of the podcast, though, is to talk about, as the title suggests, the stories behind the scenes of films, the little moments that got them made, the moments that turn them into the films that we know and sometimes love. And today I've got something a very, uh, well, really very special. I've got a a guest and not just any guest, um, director Robert Zemeckis, the, of course, the man behind the Back to the Future trilogy, Academy Award winner for Forrest Gump. And he was in town to talk about his new film, Welcome to Marwin, starring Steve Carell. Now, what I'll do is I'll play you a little clip from the film um, and then I'll go straight into my chat with uh, Mr Zemeckis. Uh, One thing to note is Donna Langley, who we referenced fairly early in the conversation, is the head of Universal Pictures and was the person who greenlit the movie. But armed with that information, we can head straight on into into the interview after this brief snippet of the film. I was a hell of a good artist and now I can barely write my name. So my dolls have to tell the story. At your service, mademoiselle. I just moved in across the street. I love all the details. <gasps> Who are they? They are Nazis torturing Hoagie. Why? Because he's different. Can I start by just asking you to guide us through it? Because um, I I know that you found the documentary and you optioned it. And I watched the documentary yesterday. I did Mm -hmm. track track it down. But that's a long way from it appearing on a screen. Yeah. yeah. So you you saw the movie first, then the documentary? I saw the movie, then the documentary. So tell me about that. So, So... How did, yeah, so what, what, what was that like? I didn't know um, that, the, that his, he used a pussy galore doll for his mother. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was a slight revelation. Yeah, right. It, I mean, the documentary's much rawer. Right, isn't it? It's yeah. um, it, it's not quite as instantly accessible, but of it's. Course not. I mean, it, right. it, it's it's fascinating. It's much I more, got the hook, it, and it's much more in depth, and it and it's and it's about the real guy. Where yeah. you know, I take. You know, huge dramatic license. Yes, you know, right. So, but but you, I, I mean, you, I talked to you before about it briefly when you mm-hmm. came out promoting mm-hmm. promoting around the time of the trailer, and you said right. you watched the documentary. You picked up the phone and rang Donna Langley and said, "We've got to option that." That's true. Um, but that's I, I don't know how many phone calls like that you make to Donna Langley, for instance. Is this is this? Do you no, see, is you this know, a, no. Incredibly, I made one. Is that it? In your and I and I and I, I must have been very impassioned because. I said, Donna, I saw this documentary last night, and I just said, and here's the story, and here's the movie, and I think we could do this. And I think I even said it in that conversation, but what I want to do is bring 
this imaginary doll world to life. Yeah. And she said, great, let's let's go for it. I mean, I, I wasn't... It, now, don't forget, this was the early stages yeah. of, of development, so it's not that difficult. But, I mean, she got it, and she's been a champion of it ever since, which is... Which in itself is a, which is a story for a magazine like that in, yeah. in today's world, you know, because that the fact that this movie was made by a major Hollywood studio is pretty incredible. <laughs> uh, my second question: You've got a lead <laughs> character who smokes, got guns. You've got a star playing a damaged mm-hmm. character with rough edges to him who can't relate to the outside world anymore. Uh, a studio that can't package it with a tidy logline, um, and it's got to be backed by some degree of big movie studio marketing mm-hmm. campaign. And I mean, was it as simple? Uh, simple is the wrong word, but what it, was it a case of one person really believes in this? Because we, we're in an eco system now where Steven Spielberg struggles to get the money for Lincoln and Ron Howard struggles to get the money for Rush yes right um, and I, I'm curious what the process was for you was it one what happened post that one phone call and I mean this is a difficult film to, to well, push we have to give, well, well we have to give credit to everybody who, who deserves credit um, I guess um, I'll you know do, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn here, so please stop me. But no, two to eight. Two to so eight. no, but I think that I think that uh, the, the fact that I was um, undyingly passionate about it, yeah, um, was very helpful. Yeah, um, Donna Langley was a champion of it from day one, but then it came to a point where um, the risk was even. A little bit too much for Universal Studios, um, and uh, they asked for a partner, and I went to Mr. Spielberg and yeah. DreamWorks, who co-financed the movie with Universal. So those are the real heroes of putting this together. You know, you've been through variants of of struggles with the funding before. I mean, I've read the Sherry Lansing memoir, for instance, where you get a phone call. If I've got this right, you get a phone call that the budget's been chopped by 10 million just before you're out to, you know, you're about to start to make it. It says it's two weeks out (laughs) shooting. A, was that true? And B, does it get any easier? Yeah, no, well, not, yeah, it was 100% true. And by the way, uh, uh, it was way more than 10 million. And it was, and by the way, you, we're, we're, you and Tom have to give us back your salary. Yeah. Or <laughs> that's that. And that was like f- with 48 hours to shooting. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a rough and tumble business. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but do you having been through variants right. of the process before? Do you get inoculated to that, or when your heart no, so into it's something? always it's always yeah. anxiety. You never get used to it. it yeah. You know, it's just it's just a. Um, uh, I I have to keep. Um, reminding myself that I'm grateful to be in the big leagues, you know. I got it, you know. And and everything comes at a price. And you know, the, you know. Look, at it. if you're going to play ball in the big leagues, you got to expect fastballs. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way I I try to uh, you know rationalize it. it. If the day comes when I just can't take it anymore, I'll have to get out. You know. But it is it's endless. Yeah. It's it's, it's always a struggle. 
One of the, I, I'm, I'm, can I talk about you writing the film then, the next sure, stage? Yeah. Because you brought, um, you brought Caroline Thompson, mm -hmm. uh, the brilliant Caroline Thompson onto the project. I'm curious, is that, a, is that an and or an ampersand, just to use like, correct, correct? No, it's a, no, that's a, no, that's an and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can so. you talk how that works? Because her, her back catalogue is extraordinary, uh, uh, mm. as is yours, right. but you've got very different sensitivities. Right. And how do you glue those together? Right, well, what, what's, what happened was, is that, um, you know, I brought Caroline on and, um, 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 she, um, you know, she basically kicked off the movie with, um, you know, with the first draft of kind of like just, you know, a really, really rough first draft. Um, and then, um, and then I took it over from there. So we didn't really collaborate on it. She wrote the first draft and I revised the first draft after that. And you know, so it wasn't it wasn't like a true collaboration, like what I did with my partner Bob Gale, where yeah. we were in the room together. It was like she wrote, I wrote, kind of a situation. That's what this was. Yeah. And how did you decide? Because the, the question I've got here, I've I've written it in quite a flowery way, um, but. Presumably there's a difference, even when you're basing it on real life, and you just had this with The Walk as well, fairly recently, of when, do you treat them as a real life person, or do you treat them as a character in the story? I mean, is there, is there a line there in your head? Well, certainly, um, um, you know, um, certainly, uh, in, the, in, in, in the case of both characters, um, I I I found that the human the humanness of each character, both Philippe and um, Mark Hogenkamp, was an inspiration. Yeah. Um, and and you know by by just like finding the, the the real human parts of their character, which then becomes a tribute to them. Is um, a you know a springboard to then be able to sort of um, dra dramatize this you know this loose dramatization of the story that that then can be fleshed out and 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 done in a shorthand to you know fit it into a form of a movie. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And and I I mean I'm particularly intrigued about the character of Mark because in the documentary particularly he describes himself at one point as a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Um he, he and I, I I mean that really took me back. I mean he, right. he's a victim of a hate crime. Right. Um but because uh, because he was drinking mm -hmm. it, it's almost used to mitigate the fact that he's a victim of a hate crime. We see this so often in society as uh, today. Mm -hmm. I mean right. That no, not short of examples. Um, was that was getting those rough edges crucial? I mean, was that really because those were the bits I would have expected a studio film per se to have sanded down a little bit? I don't think you do. No, and I and I and I like the idea. No, to me it was important that um, you know that he was human. Yeah. Um, because that's what makes it identifiable. I mean, I think that. The, the the real crime would be to homogenize the story and to yeah. and to and to uh, you know whitewash it. I don't think you you'd you'd want to do that. I mean, you know, he smokes. He you know he you know he's um, you know he. Um, He's, you know, he, he does things like spy on his neighbor a little yeah. bit. He does things like, you know, he's a human, you know, he's a human character. Um, um, and I think that that's, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's interesting. Um, 
I don't think you would be asking me this question in the 1970s. No, not at all. Not and, at all. And, and, and in, the 19, in the 1970s, you would have said, yes, he's, he's an anti-hero. Yes, of absolutely. Course, you know, these, are what we make, these are the characters we make movies about. And now it's like everything is like under this kind of microscope of, of I, the word I use, homogenization. And what, yeah. I, what, I, and what, I'm, what I see happening is, it, is, is that if you, if, if you take a character or a story or a movie and you homogenize it, which means, you know, uh, it won't, uh, upset anybody yeah then it by definition can't be about anything but the reason the question comes up nonetheless is because that is the culture at the moment yes. we've seen several examples of homogenization so it does stand out that right. particular. I mean I think you're PG-13 in the US yeah as we well. are yeah. Um, and I think for something PG-13 to, based on a true uh, on, on someone's mm. really you know challenging and difficult life to come out with the rough edges intact is a surprise I say this as an audience member mm -hmm. I would expect it naturally to be homogenized right. I think the question could st wouldn't be asked even in the 80s I don't right. even think it's the 70s Right. But clearly, that's pivotal to you in capturing mm -hmm. the character. Clear oh, I absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that you, you know, I mean, I, I think that it gives, it gives him such a dimension of reality that it's vital to. However, you identify on whatever level you identify with the character and his yeah. plight, I think it's crucial to that. Yeah. But then presumably, because it was really unusual earlier this year to have a director of your stature doing interviews for the release of a trailer mm -hmm, of a film. Right. So I thought that was really fascinating because I've not seen But almost inherent in that is an acknowledgement that this film doesn't necessarily, I wonder, this film doesn't necessarily, and I'm thrilled that it's, it exists, fit the modern template. No, certainly no absolutely shape. not. As a matter of fact, what's really fascinating is, is that... Um, um, this movie is genre fluid. I love the phrase. They've written it in the press notes and <laughs> yeah, I pulled right. it out. Yeah. It's just like someone's it's, it's, had a really big meeting about yeah, that. No, I, I came up with that. And is they, that right? They ran no. with it. Yes. Sorry, they've gone genre defying. They've oh, just oh, changed genre it, which defying. is even better. Well, genre defying is, yeah, genre defying is, is exactly what it is. And yeah. the tagline on the, on, the, on, the, on the one sheet out there is you can't put this hero in a box. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So we're in a situation where you know, you know, life is imitating art here. So, but yeah, so yeah, so okay, this is a this is a big gamble, and I'm you know, and 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 you're you're right to ask all these questions, but for me they're terrifying to yeah. be perfectly honest because, you know, um, I don't want to I don't want to shoulder the responsibility of putting the final nail in the coffin of original <laughs> original cinema. Yeah, <laughs> you know, or or non pre-sold title cinema. But conversely, it's directors and filmmakers of your stature who've built up the cachet that we're relying on to save us from yeah, well, I mean, no pressure there. I, yeah, no pressure there. You know, Thank but you. it's all on you, basically. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm sitting yeah. here and I'm terrified that I've got this responsibility now. You I know? mean, I, I was working on a website earlier in the year and um, a story came up. And I, this isn't, I, I'm not going particularly right. down this line, but a story came up that you were rumoured to be linked with directing a comic book movie. And that story went everywhere. The right. story of you making this film didn't. 
Right. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the media ecosystem around it. Right. That it almost feels like, um, and I, I say this having you know taken a, a jump into the unknown, really, right. to try and do something about it, but a media ecosystem that almost only wants to be fed one kind of film right. and will only shine the light on it afterwards. Yeah, I think so. And I think you're seeing it in, in reviews, too. I think critics, too. Um, you know, I expect... When this movie is, I, I think a question that critics are going to ask about this movie is, who is it for? Yeah. And of course, my answer is, well, I would think it's for everybody. Yeah. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying, I don't know what box I'm supposed to put this movie in. Yeah. You know, now what's interesting about my body of work is back it's in the day. Fitted, has it? huh? It's never fitted, has it? No. When, well, when we used to have. Blockbuster yeah, video. Yeah, saying. Yeah. Remember, I said that. To yeah, you? yeah. They never true. knew. They never knew what shelf to put my movies on. Yeah. So good. I'll keep doing that. This one, they don't know. They won't know what shelf. To, what shelf would you put this movie on? Um, if, if there was I one. I don't think people have shelves anymore. Really, I think I know, they have I sophisticated know. racking units that kind yeah, of get you around. Do you see how I dodge that? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I've given up on genre. Yeah. To be honest, I've, I've given yeah. up on ev absolutely everything has to fit a box. Right. Um, and if weirdly enough, if, if there is a rule, that gives mm -hmm. you something to push against. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's and people actually have to describe movies. They actually, did, you know, back in the day when I was a you know a young writer, that's how we would pitch movies to studio executives. The audience didn't know, but you would say like it's kind of like Dirty Harry meets yeah. um, you know Dirty Harry meets um, The Sting. Yeah. And they would go, oh, okay, I kind of get it. And now this is how people describe movies. It's it's kind of like Toy Story, or it's kind of yeah. like this, or it's kind of like that. And 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 it's it's just this kind of simplification of everything, which is the way it is. I've tried to avoid asking specifics about the film because I don't want to spoil a beat of it because right. I think it's such an it's such a, a, an unusual story mm -hmm. um, with unusual beats to it. But I did want to ask something about the actual production of it yeah. um, because I don't think I'm spoiling much to say. You've got this really spectacular opening sequence where effectively the two worlds of the film mm -hmm. come together. And as a film, as just as a director, I mean, I always remember um, Joe Dante talking about making Gremlins, about mm -hmm. how the live action stuff he shot all of that. Mm -hmm. and then the puppet stuff nearly drove him to absolute insanity that that, that was months afterwards right. in a digital world now and appreciating the work you've done digitally do you still get a sense of that do you still find that the the digital bits of it are lagging a little bit behind and you're keen to glue it all together quickly how do you mean lagging behind? I don't understand. Um, I'm curious what that because you shot the actual film itself. Was it October 2017? And yeah. then you're waiting. I read a piece where you said you're waiting for the digital stuff to come in. Oh yeah. Well, so what that means yeah. is, is so so. Oh, oh oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. All right. So when we when I use the word shoot, I mean you know so the so the digital world is or you know is broken down into into two phases. Yeah. Basically, there's production yeah and that means your actors are working yeah so that's the volume work. that's the volume work yeah. and the live action shooting then there's the digital finishing and the that for simplification that now has become part of the post-production process yeah so when I was saying to you that I'm waiting for the shots to come in um, the shots that were turned over are in process of being built I hadn't seen yet so yeah. that's all it meant but every all the actors had gone home but uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, presumably it's firmly in your head what you want, and it, it's just it is just waiting for those final it's shots. Just, to come. Yeah, yeah, it's just waiting for it to 
go through its its different phases of checks yeah. and then finally be rendered out. Yeah, you've got some extraordinary performances in here, and I think everyone else is going to ask you about Steve Carell and Leslie Mann, who are mm-hmm. extraordinary in it. Um, I'd not seen Merritt Weaver's. Is it Weaver? I think Merritt Weaver. Weaver yeah. I've not seen her work before. Oh really? Um, I'm oh, not. Yeah. I've not been watching much television of yeah, it. Yeah, right. um, I thought she was an, abs- an She's absolute. She's magnificent. No- um, such um, uh, such a tender and very uh, very three dimensional, isn't it? I mean, and so, really real. So right. I, I'm, I wonder because I don't think people will ask you about her, and I think right. she's done something really extraordinary mm-hmm. there. What did you see in her? What was what? Well, what I was, just saw that you know she. I, well, I I'm a, I was a fan of her work. Yeah. I, you know, she was on. Uh, I first came up where there was a show on uh, show, uh, a Showtime series called Nurse yeah, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. And she was, um, you know, like a like a like a, a, a supporting character in that series, and I was just a giant fan of hers. But she has just got such a unbelievably natural uh, realism in yeah. her way, and she just can turn something into a magnificent. I mean, it's it's astounding which how she makes how she makes uh, the screenplay come alive. Because it's just fantastic. Because am I right in thinking the character Roberta? I didn't see her in the documentary. Oh no, it's totally so, fictional. So I mean, I mean it's extraordinary. But... There's no, there are actually none of no. I only use the names of two women that aren't even. I don't think they're even in the documentary. But I, Wendy was a re, was was a name of a real person in Mark's life, and Carlala. Yeah. The, and the, everybody else is, but they're not. But they're they're not even portrayed as, as the real characters. They're just, I use their names. Odd question and a very simple mm-hmm. question, but I like asking simple and dim yeah. questions. Did you enjoy making it? And do you are you in a position where you like a film when you get to the end of making one? Because I don't like anything I've done when I get to the end of it. No, I, 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 I'll, answer, I'll answer, I'll answer them in order. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed making the movie because I so enjoyed... Um, um, working with my cast, and I just loved the story that I was doing, and I had a great, wonderful, inspired crew. Yeah, and they were so energized by making a movie that was about something. I'm telling you, I mean, I never. Yeah. I mean, they would literally come up to me and say that. Yeah, they said it's so great that we're not making a movie about a superhero. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, we love coming to work. And I'm, and I'm going, no, this is great. So, yes, I enjoyed that immensely. To answer your question, when I get to this point, uh, all I ever see are the are the, are the flaws. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying <laughs> to ask it in a non-clickbaity way that someone yeah, might take no, it away. I, I, only just, see, I only see the flaws and, uh, you know, and regret that I didn't make it better. You know? So, uh, I, uh, last time I spoke to you, you quoted Truffaut at me and said uh, that uh, any film, that the film you do next is a reaction to oh, what yeah. you've just done. So, can yeah. I fire that at you? Yeah, uh, well, well I, I don't know. It'll be it'll definitely be something different. And with that, our time was up. Welcome to Marwin Lands in UK Cinemas on the 1st of January 2019. It is based on a documentary film by the name of Marwin Cole, which you probably picked up from the conversation. And that has been the latest episode of Film Stories. Issue two of Film Stories magazine goes on sale in the middle of January. Issue one is still available now. You can find all information on our magazine at www.filmstories.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at Simon Brew. You can find the whole Film Stories enterprise on Twitter at Film Stories Pod. 
on YouTube at youtube.com slash filmstories and on Facebook at filmstoriesonline. Thanks so much for your support. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back soon with some more film stories. Take care.